This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. They tried to make me go to rehab, I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. I ain't got the time, and if my daddy thinks I'm fine, they try to make me go to rehab, I won't go, go, go. Good evening. And welcome to Hooked, Joy 94.9's program about addiction. Research shows that the LGBTI community has addiction problems of at least twice that of the general population. And we want to explore why and how this has come about. There are many suffering addiction, many more that are affected by those in active addiction and people that are grateful in recovery. My name is David. Hello there, my name's Russ and I am so excited. We're back in the Joy studio tonight, David. Oh, yes we are. What more could we ask for? I I really feel like a DJ all over again. How (laughs) excitement. Um, What are some of the reasons behind this problem of addiction? Are there pathways towards recovery and change? How does addiction affect loved ones, family members and partners of those in active addiction? Now, Dave and I aren't experts in these fields, but we're a couple of friends who both happen to be in recovery. We believe that there needs to be a conversation in our community about recovery and addiction. We're in the studio tonight. Now, a couple of months since we've been in the studio. Well, it's been two months since we've been in, and, you know, I've got a sock on my microphone. We are suitably (laughs) socially distanced. I'm in Studio 3, you're in Studio 2. Yep, and we wave to each other through the window, but I've never had a sock on my microphone. I was hoping I was going to come in and it was going to be a frilly pom-pom tennis sock, but it's just a black thing. No. No. How do you feel about your return to Joy? I was very emotional last Wednesday. I'm feeling a bit emotional now because Joy 94.9 does a great job for the GLBTI community. Or the LGBTI community as well. I can't but, you, know, you know what it is? It's about connection and it's about us being connected yeah. with other people. So that's the main thing. Hey, if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue on 1300 22 46 36. And of course, you can go to the fantastic website joy.org.au slash support. And that's a really good resource as well. So we encourage you that um, you should a good have a place look at that. to start asking for help, which is what we are all about here at Hawk, aren't we? Well, it is asking and, for help. Well, you know, tonight we've got a great guest first up, and our guest tonight is from uh, a group called Untoxicated. Have you heard of them, Ross? No, I haven't, I, uh, and I admit that, but I must admit, as soon as I heard that somebody had a Facebook page and a web page called Unt- Intoxicated, Untoxicated. I Untoxicated, excuse me, I thought this person is the person for me. How about an introduction, David? All right, well, sober does not equal boring. No siree. Are you a teetotaler and keen to meet others who like to have fun without booze in the mix? Or maybe you're doing a dry January, Feb fast, dry July, or taking some time out and would just like to try something different sans alcohol that's without alcohol of course for a bit whether you're booze free for an evening or for a lifetime come hang with us at untoxicated our focus is not on drinking it's for people who still like to get out amongst it and have fun but in the relatively safe space of like-minded non-imbibers and through a range of different activities think movies dinners bushwalks 
Sober singles nights, kayaking, brunches, visit galleries, live music, picnics, roller discos, you name it, we look forward to meeting you over a mocktail. Now, on the line, I have the founder of Untoxicated, Faye Lawrence. Are you there, Faye? I am. Thank oh, you, David. Yeah. Through the miracles of science. Hello. We've, we've got you there, <laughs> Faye. Um, it's wonderful to have you on Hook tonight on Joy 94.9, our program about addiction in the LGBTI community. Now, first thing I've got to make straight is, well, is not that Untoxicated yeah. is a straight group, but it isn't necessarily an LGBTI group. But I've been conversing... No, we're an everyone group. Yeah, well, I've been yeah, conversing sorry. with you in emails and I've noticed yeah. you are such an inclusive group. Yes. How, how yes. on earth did you come up with the idea of Untoxicated? Um, well, I, firstly, can I just say thank you for inviting me on and I feel privileged to be here after your hiatus of two months uh, back on air. So that's fantastic. First time oh, in the studio, so you're it. Yeah, we've actually Whoa. been remotely broadcasting up until now, but it's just great to be here rather than doing it from my bedroom. Oh, I see, I see. Well, the excitement is palpable. I'm on board. Um, so, so, basically, I've been a massive boozer for my whole life. I'm 46 now, um, and I'm from the UK, as you can probably tell from my accent, and I grew up in a family where there was, you know, heavy drinking was the norm, um, uh, you know, and it's, it's very socially and culturally ingrained in the UK and in Australia. And so, um, you know, basically, I'd always... That had been my, my go-to for everything, for socialising, for coping with life, for dealing with anxiety, for you name it, the reward. Um, and, you know, it, I was always high-functioning. Um, so I was always able to sort of maintain, you know, a, a life where I held down a job. And, and so what what happens there is that you you can convince yourself the denial is so strong mm. that you think, well, because I've still doing X, Y, Z, I'm, I've still got a roof over my head, I'm still turning up to work, even if I am hungover, I'm still doing all these things. So you, you keep convincing yourself that you can make it work and that you can moderate. Um, and eventually, you know, the writing was on the wall that I just couldn't, um, and, and I really fell into a into a big hole. Um, and I, I pretty much scared myself at the end before I stopped. Um, and the reason that I started Untoxicated is because when I stopped, I'd always been such a social person and I thought, well, I try not to use an expletive here. Bleep this. My social life isn't going to be over just because I've given up drinking. <laughs> and it doesn't. It's not over just because you don't bleep stop drinking. You know, just no. for those, those people that are listening in, uh, what Faye's, Faye's trying to say is, fuck this. I thought, yes. now, I, I've just noticed that... Um, We're allowed to say that after 8 o'clock, Faye. Oh, well, well yeah. we are oh, yeah, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Now, I swear like a truck eight. I was just having a little bit of a look through some blogs here and there was something here that identified with from our LGBTI community is because it starts off with, I admit it, I've been an A-grade show pony since I was a kid, a super social animal who enjoyed being around people and making them laugh. I always had lots of friends and a love of parties and a strong case yes. of FOMO, fear of missing out. So, you know, yes. that's quite familiar for many of us in the LGBTI community yeah. as well. And this is why I've been drawn so much to your story. So, oh, thank you. Yeah. When yeah. you mentioned... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, go on. No, you go. No, on. I was just going to say it was a huge part of my identity. Mm -hmm. So, so that was one of the things in giving up was, and one of the resistances to giving up of which there were many, but that was a big one. Like, who am I without? 
substances in. Mm. You know, whether it was alcohol or drugs. It's interesting, um, Faith. So I'm just curious with with your story because I love listening to people's stories. So for me, yeah. um, as as Russ, I I in the end I identified as an alcoholic. I, I was drinking twenty four seven, and um, mm. I needed to go into rehab, and then obviously a twelve step mm. program. But you just stopped short of that, didn't you? By the sounds of things, you you decided that you were just drinking too much, and you you were able to hit your rock bottom, or you were able to to p- push the stop button before it got out of control completely. Not quite. So, no. so what I did go into inpatient detox myself. Ah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I did. So, what had happened was, I'd say probably for uh, about eighteen years or so, I'd been going to alcohol counselling, or I'd been on particular types of medication mm. like um, uh, naltrexone or Camprol or you know whatever it was. And then I would, or I'd go into an AA meeting, and then I'd go, no, no, it's Fine. It's yeah. really not that bad. I'm just, it's no worse than everyone else. Because you do make and yourself then, believe that you are not as fun if you don't have a drink, don't you? Oh, my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> because, the other side of that, too, Faye, is you also yeah. believe that you're not as bad as other people. Correct. That's exactly right. And I grew up with this as the normal as well. And mm. so, um, you know, it, I always thought drinkers were weirdos, uh, non-drinkers, sorry, were weirdos, not to be trusted, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> like boring. And, and, and in early sobriety, I did do a little bit of AA. I mean, longer term, I decided it wasn't for me for multiple yeah. reasons. And I absolutely respect that recovery is 100% an individual journey and people pick what works for them. That's, that's my firm belief. Um, but... I um, uh, forgot what I was going to say. Okay. Can, you, can you have a? Can you have one drink now, Faye? Is that what? No, you, no, God you just no. choose. You choose I to have none. I identify as an alcoholic. Yeah. I identify as an alcoholic, mm-hmm. even though I don't attend AA. So Fair I enough. feel like I did step one in that I did just accept the fact that I was powerless over alcohol. One of the really yeah, nice I parts did. of your story that I do love, and I think some people, if they're listening, maybe they'll identify with it. It says, for years and by years, I mean decades, I would lurch from thinking I had things under control to a crisis of sorts. You know the ones where you said or did something you shouldn't, offended a boss, snog someone inappropriately. I've got the most in, uh, hilarious story involving spanks, spanks <laughs> and smashed your front teeth on the pavement in the valley during a yeah. final piggyback attempt. Yeah. Man, that last yeah. time was costly. So those sorts of yeah. things are indicators. Are you going to tell us the story about spanks? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But no, needless to say, I slept with a hell of a lot of people that I probably wouldn't have done had I been sober. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, the shenanigans you get up to. Well, we're all young obviously. once, weren't we? Yeah, well, you know, and then you go out and you combine it with the party drugs and all the rest of it. I mean, that's all part of uh, part of it, isn't it? And um, you know, you think you're having a whale of a time and, until you are, and then um, then the wheels start falling off. And I think, particularly as you get older as well, you sort of, you know, I went through another phase of getting into the club scene um, in my early forties, a relationship breakdown, and I I, I really enjoyed it. But, you know, being wasted in a club in your 40s, you're sort of like, God, I'm turning into, I'm turning into that person. You're turning into the um, person you said you'd never be. Correct. <laughs> hey, listen, um, Faye, I'm still going to be doing this in 10 years' time. Oh, you know, could you as, imagine as, it? You have nothing like a 50-year-old running around a nightclub. I could imagine it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but when that's the bulk of your social life, 
Yeah. Um, then that sort of, I felt a bit pathetic, I suppose. Just something that I always found interesting in my early recovery was people would say to me, oh, you're still doing that or how long are you going to do that for? And um, I found that uncomfortable because I'd made a decision within myself. So a long time ago, I just decided, look, to hell with this. I'm telling everyone I'm an alcoholic and I don't drink anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I love, though, is um, ever since I've done that, I just... I, I actually forgot that there are a lot of um, adult human beings out there and they don't just like you because you like a drink, like to have a drink with them. It's really, really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Like, if you, if you detach and observe from that, it's actually really interesting. So the people, some of the people that I thought absolutely I wouldn't lose, I did. Yep. Um, but for the most part, I haven't. Um, and part of that's because, like, those those... Um, friends I choose to do different things with I didn't it's a bit like having kids and then saying oh I'm going to continue doing all the things I did before I had kids you're not going to when you get sober you're not going to do exactly the same things because part of you doesn't want to anymore it's boring if you're going out and everyone's wasted yeah you can do it but you don't want to do it all night you know you, you can pop along for a couple of hours so I think um, the social thing, though, is really, really difficult for people because we're wired from an evolutionary perspective to fit in and belong and to find our tribe. And ostracism from that tribe is really painful for people. And um, so I think when people make judgments that say, you know, oh, don't be so boring and, oh, go on, just have one, and mm. and they start feeling uncomfortable around your lack of drinking or drugging or whatever it is, it's time um, to say goodbye it, to that person. <laughs> well, not everyone has the strength to do that, though. And I yeah. can understand, like, those social bonds are so strong. Um, yeah. It's almost like a primal thing, isn't it? So it is, yeah. It's really hard. I noticed in my um, Facebook group that I've got, you know, that's one of the things that comes up all the time is about judgment from other people when people put down whatever, whatever their drug of choice is. I am a disco <laughs> roller skater from way back. Now, tell me... <laughs> Tell me, how did that one come about? <laughs> oh, I tell you what, another thing you've got to do is the silent disco. Have you tried that? I haven't done that yet. I've seen it, oh I've seen it in Melbourne, God. but I think it'd be great to do. Oh, it's so good. Yeah? So the beauty, when we've done, we've done um, karaoke, sober karaoke, we've done the sober singles, and the, the hilarious thing when you do these, or just it's actually really empowering. Yeah. Because they're all things that historically most of us have needed a few few glasses of Dutch courage to do. When you actually get into, you know, once you get over the initial reluctance and get into it and you realise you're having fun and you get that euphoria from it and you just lose yourself in it, it's, it's brilliant. It's so good. Yeah, recommend all oh. of the above. <laughs> how did people find you? How did, how, what, what made you decide to create this group? It's just so exciting. I mean, I... Oh, thank you. Yeah, so I love what? it. I just, I mean, for me, I gravitated towards AA because in my yeah. time when I got sober, which was quite a few years ago now, there was nothing like um, intoxicated. So for me, it was... No. I was really attracted to all these people in AA and we're social and yeah. we, we go out and do things that you do. But this is, this is amazing, yeah. Oh, thanks. So, so what I wanted was, I, you know, uh, this is what I always say, I created what I needed, really, because 
although I maintained a lot of my own friendships on a Friday or Saturday night, they'd be off doing the big boozy dinners or whatever, and I knew that that wasn't an option for me, particularly in early recovery. Um, and I just thought, oh, God, this. I'm not staying home on a Friday night yeah. and doing nothing because everyone else is, you know, out partying. And I could, just couldn't find anything that was solely that was without booze, and I knew I couldn't have it in my face so early on. So I just thought, well, okay, I'm going to start something then. And that's and that's how it happened. And, you know, w- lots of us still want to go out to dinner, for example, when we give up drinking, but yeah. we've probably never been in an environment like that without booze. So what it helps people get used to being in those environments and just in a group where it's literally and metaphorically taken off the table, you still have a good laugh, often with the rowdiest table in the restaurant. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> and um, yeah, it just gets people used to different social settings um, that just take the booze out of the equation. Hey, Faye, and I think um, what yeah. most people who drink a lot don't understand, and I, you tell me how you feel about this, but I just think it, it, it's an opportunity to um, either relearn or learn these skills without booze. That it actually okay. empowers and surprises people that you don't need to sit around and have dinner with a bunch of people and be pissed. You know, you can, or That's you don't exactly need to. Right. You don't need to. Um, you know, you don't need to go for a walk and have had. You know, half a gallon of wine just to go on a walk or something like that. It's it's amazing. Exactly. And one of the beauties, I think, of Untoxicated and why it's cut through and resonated with people is like, we don't preach. Uh, and we also, we don't have to be in recovery to come. The only stipulation is just no drinking at the event. We don't mind why you're there. Mm. We don't ask why you're there. You might not be in recovery. Alcohol might not be a problem for you. You might just be someone who wants to socialise without booze because you don't really like it that much. And that we get all, yeah, all sorts. And, and in the, the early main... days, were you surprised how many people contacted you? Were you thought, what on earth? This is fantastic. Well, in the early days, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was like pushing shit up a hill. It was... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you say actually when I quit, <laughs> I don't think I knew a single person who didn't drink and certainly not one no. that I actually want to socialise with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, here I was sober, so they couldn't all be awful. You know, one of the things is that we have this culture, certainly, of drinking. And you say, you said to, to me in one of your emails was, I'd love to see in Australia where being sober is not a big deal in the same way as being vegetarian is not a big deal. It's just accepted. Um, right. As and I'm sure you know, people are often terrified at coming out, apologies for the misappropriation of the term, um, yeah. they, that they are sober or in recovery, such is the stigma yeah. around this stuff. Fuck that. Exactly. No, I want my yeah. own story rather than let it own me. I mean, what an amazing sentiment there. And I think there's real power in that. And I think we're a lot, we're a bit of a way away from it. But what I found when I got sober was I didn't tell people, a lot of people for the first day, six months, I sort of kept fairly low profile. And then I started thinking, you know what? It. No, this is who I am. Mm. Like, why should I feel ashamed of this? No. I, and the more people speak out and own it, mm-hmm. and that's, again, a very personal decision, the more people speak out and own it, the more you give permission for others to do the same. And why should you? Like, we're all fallible human beings. Like, whatever the perceived flaw is, you know, well, guess what? So many people struggle with these similar issues and why not just be honest about it and, and, and own it rather than letting it own you. And that's where you 
the, the, the shame and the guilt and, the, and all of those things that are laden with problematic substance use, um, you take the power away. You know so that found, was an important part for me. I found really interesting mm. also, Faye, that um, I'm 54 and I just yeah. couldn't believe that... Um, you know, by the time people get to my age, they just they're, they're not big drinkers anymore, and I, that that absolutely shocked me. You know, Russ, maybe they of, weren't in the first place. Well, maybe and you they didn't notice. <laughs> I don't maybe know. I was yeah, too pissed to see please. that. But I find that yeah. um, it, you know, as society changes, I think you know more people are more accepting of people who don't drink these days. Anyway, I feel as though they are. Mm. But I don't. Mm. I just was really surprised that I actually had to teach myself that. You know, initially I had these. Well, go out with people for dinner who would drink and, you know, they'd be sipping on a glass of wine and I'd be at the table saying, come on, hurry up with that one. Let, let me buy you another. Let me buy you another. Yeah. But no, normal people don't drink like we did and they and they, no. and they never have, have they? And you don't know that they're there. Like, I, when people started turning up to intoxicate and saying, oh, yeah, I do drink, I just can take it or leave it. I'm like, what? How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> hey, with, with Intoxicated, what? it is a social group. You've got 6,000 sober, and I like this term, sober curious people uh, on yeah. your Facebook group. So people can always look up intoxicated.com.au and you can find yeah. the links there and all that sort of stuff. Now, um, at, in normal times, what sort of events do you organise? Because you're in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, so you That's know, you're know right, you covering the whole yeah. of the East Coast. What sort of uh, things do you like to put together? It just really, really varies. So I've got hosts. So I, there's a team of about 20 volunteers, um, and so I have volunteer hosts in Sydney and Melbourne, um, and really they just respond to what works in their, in their areas. Um, but there's a lot of, it's just really a variety. So it's dinners, it's movies, it's um, some active stuff like, you know, getting out and doing the walking around the rivers or picnics or, you know, it just, we try and mix it up as much as possible um, and, yeah, just respond to what people in those areas are, are the most receptive to. Um, coffee catch-up, just the sorts of things that you would pretty much do with your mates usually, just not going out and getting hammered. What's the most outrageous <laughs> thing you've done, Sober? <laughs> the most... Oh, no, that's not fit for air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. hey, um, tell us, what about your that's group... That's not fit for air, boys. <laughs> okay. Maybe in the break. <laughs> what about your group at the moment during the COVID-19 COVID oh. pandemic? Um, has the COVID-19 pandemic uh, meant that you can't obviously do social gatherings? So what what are you doing about yeah. that at the moment? And it, it's been really tough, tough for people too. Yeah. So I've got, we've got the meetups um, in business and in Melbourne, but there's also a Facebook group with about 1,400 people in there from around Australia, which mm -hmm. is a closed group. That is a peer support. Um, that is more for people who do want to, sort of look at their relationship with alcohol a bit more rather than the events which are just anyone can come along and we don't ask. Um, but this one, the, the Facebook group is more that sort of, yep, hey, I'm, I'm probably struggling a bit. Um, people have been relapsing quite a lot. Um, I'm, you probably find in your own circles as well and it's been really, really challenging for people. So it's a really great little community. The feedback that we constantly get is about how non-judgmental we are, it's a safe space. It's so supportive. Like, everyone's in there, you know, just really giving everyone a lot of encouragement. And, you know, when people have a slip or they have a situation, just be gentle with yourself. 
Um, COVID's been really tricky for people. We've also been doing a, a weekly online Zoom meeting, oh, at least yeah. one a week, sometimes a few, um, which is sort of like an informal chat type thing, but just checking in with everyone, seeing how they're going, if that's something that appeals to them. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've tried to adapt as best we can to... But what I love about your group, Faye, is um, there's no rules. I mean, I think I think what's no. very attractive about about <laughs> Intoxicated is that you guys can just turn up together as a group and the only thing you've got to do is not have a drink. The rest Correct. of it is all just having fun, being outrageous, having yep. a few laughs and making the most yep. out of life, yeah. The laughs are the most important. Like, one of the yeah. things that I found in recovery is, in early recovery, is, like, not many people laugh. And being English, you've got to laugh. We laugh at adversity. You know, that's part... I mean, I'm not talking about pushing down all the stuff that does need to come up as mm-hmm. part of the healing process. Mm. But in amongst that, you've still got to remember to try and laugh as well and have fun. And um, I'm a non rulesy I've always been a rebel. And so that's kind of the spirit that I aim to bring to intoxicate it is like, nah, rules out the window, stop this. Let's change some of that social norms about what it means to be sober and... You know, let's have a laugh. Well, while you go off and do your other work that you need to do with a therapist or in your recovery group or whatever it is. Now, tell me, um, how were those dance steps in the silent disco? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one that we went to was Queen. Oh, so fantastic. Say no more. <laughs> and we sit in the middle of the mall. Uh, we will rock you with, you know, oh. it was PKR Friday, rush hour. Oh, it was very liberating, honestly. <laughs> it was, no, it really was. It, it was, sounds great. <laughs> Almost as liberating as one of the things I noticed on in, in untoxicated.com.au was, uh, and you might want to explain it to our listeners, how to give yourself a $10,000 pay rise. Oh, yes. So that was written by um, one of the members in Sydney and... Um, that was her blog and she just found because I mean the sheer amount of money that you spend I I found that I was yeah just spending and you just you don't even pay any attention to how much it's sort of easy come easy go isn't it you're you're out you're at a club and it's or dinner or something cocktails on me and (laughs) you know you you can easily just spend a, a, a ton of money plus cabs plus cigarettes plus you know party drugs whatever it's a little um, bit along the lines ju- of how much is it really costing you, isn't it? Correct. It's not just Yeah, money. so when you actually sit down and add it all up, when I added it all up, I was absolutely mortified. I thought I was probably spending about 20 grand a year, 20 grand a year at least. Look, Faye, it's been fantastic having you on tonight. And, of course, I'd urge oh, anybody so that's interested to check out untoxicated.com.au. Yeah, please do. Um, please do. By all means. And we'll put a link in on our Facebook group, of course. Uh, We'd love uh, sorry, to have you back on, Facebook Faye. We, we need to hear some more of these stories. With our podcast. Awesome. <laughs> we, look, we'll, we'll ask you just for a night of stories one night, except <laughs> half of them you can't even tell. But uh, it sounds like you're having a great life and really enjoying. And our hats are off to you for starting uh, a group that has just grown and been quite amazing in itself. Once again, it's Thank all about you. connection because that's the opposite of addiction. Absolutely uh, all about connection, yes. Thank you so much for being on tonight and um, oh, my we pleasure. wish you all the best as soon as the restrictions start Thank being you. lifted and oh. we shall be having events back again oh. in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane. Thank you for rep- being Wonderful. on Joy 94.9. Thank you so much for inviting me on. See you, Our Faye. pleasure. Love to meet you both.
Bye. Now, I've got a couple of SMSs that have come in. Oh, wow. Now, the first one says, um, and that was just during our last session, somebody sent a message saying, Russell was too tight to buy anyone a drink in his younger days. That's quite true, David. That is quite true. I own that. I own that. Ah, The truth comes out now, doesn't it? No, that's quite true. I I will own that one. And we've received another one. Hi, my name is Jaden, and I live in Queensland, and this COVID-19 social distancing is driving me crazy. Is it driving you boys crazy? Well, it's funny, segues to our next topic. Well, exactly. Which is really important. You know, we are in a Joy 94.9 and we're in the studio for the first time in two months and Joy has done a fantastic job of, you know, sterilising the studio and making um, rules and regulations up. So David and I, we're not in the same studio at the moment. We wave to each other from one studio Hi to there, another Russ. and it's all its all amazing that we can be back here together because we've we really have missed been, each other. Yeah, we've been remotely broadcasting mostly from my bed. Bedroom. Oh, I love. I've loved being in bed with you. It's been amazing. But you know, the one thing that has um, been driving us crazy. The one thing that we should start this segment with is COVID nineteen. Is um, you know, I'd, I'd hate to think that people um, think that they're alone because in society these days, and this is really what this segment's all about, is COVID nineteen and and what everyone's been doing for the past two months, and. With, with society and online, everything these days, you are never alone. Some of the things that people definitely would have been worrying about over the past few months would have been financial instability, mm-hmm. isolation, mm-hmm. Uh, boredom, mm-hmm. uh, fears of rejection, mm-hmm. um, internalised homophobia, um, a whole heap of things that have really uh, made them feel worried and insecure. And addiction experts say that they are concerned the social isolation required by the coronavirus pandemic is taking an especially big toll on people in recovery. Now, I was talking to somebody today and they said, you know, we we may have a, well, thankfully, a very low death toll from Mm. coronavirus. It's still a tragedy. uh, But they're saying that the mental outcomes for people uh, as we move forward through all of this social distancing and isolation is going to be a much greater toll. Um, Certainly, many of the leading experts in uh, suicide prevention and mental health have been talking about uh, this and that this this will be another aspect to this whole um, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, which, you know, we're very worried about and we want to make sure people are Well, David, if you're in recovery, what, what have you done to keep yourself, you know, busy and, 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 you know, feeling okay during this period of isolation? Well, I never forget each day that I have to go to work and I'm very fortunate that I do have to go to work, uh, but it does take a, uh, a lot out of me. It's been very hard work, uh, but I'm very grateful to actually have a job. So if you start writing a list of gratitude, um, it will make a big difference. So... I think I agree with you more. Now, our first guest, we've just lost him on the phone here. No, we haven't. So while David calls him back, are you sure? (laughs) Are you there, Mark? No, he's not. So if you can... David will just call him back. But what... what, We'd love to hear from you on what you did during your um, period of isolation. Um, As from 23.59 tonight, we're allowed to go and, I don't know, play golf and go fishing and all of these things. But I know for for me personally, I um, chose to stay in close touch with people by telephone, by SMS. I, um, being an alcoholic, I went to Zoom meetings. Alcoholics Anonymous was amazing. They created the most amazing Zoom meetings, which were which were um, absolutely fantastic. But, 
You know, being in recovery, we can get in our heads and we can start looking at negative things very quickly and we can't rush to booze and drugs and so on to um, take these negative feelings away from us. So it is really, really super important to um, to talk to other people and ask for help. One of the, one of the interesting articles that I did read um, today was that um, drug dealers um, put the cost of their drugs up by XY's 30, 30 because uh, um, during the COVID-19 period because they knew that there was going to be this big demand for them, which I thought was, which was kind of outrageous. But it, it is um, a weird time for all in recovery and the key to recovery um, and, and being in isolation is to stay in touch with your loved ones. Now, we do have a guest tonight, oh, David. Yes, of yeah. course we do. Um, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've been in the studio, so, you know, operating a panel doesn't come easy. Uh, are you there, Big Daddy? I am, I am. Good <laughs> evening, everybody. <laughs> it's good to have you back on the program. Big Daddy has been on the program before and uh, it's wonderful to have you back here on our first live program back after a couple of months. Now, um, Russ, you were saying that, um, well, you know, we, we did introduce this segment with uh, the fact that addiction and, uh, and those in recovery, it's a very tough time during the COVID-19 period. So, Big Daddy, what, what have you done to circumvent um, feelings and isolation and working from home. How did you find all of that? Was that a challenging period for you? Yes, yeah, certainly it was. And it was, um, you know, at the very beginning when it all started, people would say to me, how are you feeling? And the only way I could explain it, I would say I'm feeling weird because that's exactly how I felt. Mm. It was just so out of the ordinary and something that I hadn't experienced before. It was just, it was just very weird. And as, as the course went on, at the, um, this uh, working from home really was something that I um, uh, certainly don't ever want to do again, to be quite honest with you. I miss the, um, the teamwork and the, um, the, the uh, people in the office and, you know, their personalities and their input to my job and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So working from home certainly, um, you know, put some challenges in front of me and... Um, did you have any fear based around that? I mean, I don't. I don't think I'd be talking out of turn to you. Know, you're you're a diabetic, and that's um, right. And they really did put. Um, well, I wouldn't. I, I mean, they were they were very clear on on what people with um, with certain illnesses had to do. Did you feel frightened? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, I certainly the level of heat fear was certainly higher, and um, uh, I sort of took. Uh, notice of all the medical advice very uh, clearly. I, I listened to it very clearly and sort of was a bit anal about making sure that I followed the advice um, because I'm 63 years of age, so, you know, I'm over that 60 mark that the medical professionals were talking about. And as you pointed out, I'm a type 1 diabetic, which means my immune system is a bit lower. Um, so, you know, I had to isolate uh, very much and uh, I lived with uh, a flatmate and, um, you know, sort of we had a discussion and they even talked about his girlfriend not coming around, you know, while, uh, you know, the, the isolation was on. And, you know, I certainly uh, certainly stopped all my extracurricular activities as well. Mm. Um, so it was just a very, very different environment that, um, that I had to learn, you put learn about. Did that have any progrinding, Daddy? 
<laughs> I actually deleted it off my phone. <laughs> well, you never know, do you? You know, you've got to be careful. That's right. You've got to be careful. I didn't want to be tempted. <laughs> so no. where did all of this isolation and uh, disconnection take you, Big Daddy? Um, I, it, it made me think about how I needed to stay in contact, um, not only with, with work colleagues and, and professionally, but also... Um, through luckily a lot of my the meetings the AA meetings that I go to are uh, are all on Zoom now. So in some way I was still able to have that contact with um, people, um, you know, with AA, people in AA and and still participate in the meetings and share and hear other people speak about their experience, strength and hope, and and that's been a very big part of my. Uh, being able to sort of put up with um, the negative parts of being in isolation. And yeah, I mean, what other changes? I mean, some of the changes that I know I experienced as well, and you probably did, was that, you know, you would, you, you might needed to um, do all your medical, um, medical by phone. Um, yep. You, yep, um, all of that, yeah. You know, you might have had to see your um, psychologist um, via phone. It, it, it was, it was, yep. it was. I think what you say is is quite right when you say it was was very weird. Um, mm. And we're coming to a point now where the premier is giving us lesser restrictions. How do you think, yep. as a whole, you uh, as a recovering um, um, alcoholic? Um, got through the process are you proud of yourself did you think geez that was that was equally as hard as it was getting into recovery um i'm very i'm very pleased to be at the point that i'm at i'm in a positive state um but it took a lot of hard work i mean i think it was i've been sober for quite a while now but regardless of that um it still took a lot of um uh, you know putting the principles and the, the stuff that i've learned in aa did that surprise you putting it at the forefront. Um, well, I, I know that when I'm, uh, you know, I've learned over the years that if I'm in a situation where I um, uh, am challenged in some way by feelings or situations or whatever, that I really need to rely on my toolbox that AA has given me so that I can, you know, sort of get through most things and understand that life is on life's terms and things go up and down. Um, but I need to do go into action to make sure that I can keep them as uh, up as possible. You know mm-hmm. that I'm as in, in a good a position to to meet those challenges. Yeah, I think you nailed it there, Big Daddy, by saying that the key for anybody in recovery is to a obviously ask for help, but um, b go into action. It's very important, yeah. and you certainly yeah. showed us how you went into action during this period. You you stayed well, I, close I, and you did what you had to yep. do. Yeah. I stayed close to my good friends. I stayed close to the people in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I also stayed close to my family, even though none of them... I, I live in Melbourne and none of them live in Melbourne. But, you know, um, I can be a bit blasé about keeping in contact with my brothers and that sort of stuff. But that certainly came to the fore as well. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we've been having regular contact every three or four days, whereas it might have been every three or four weeks before this... Um, you know, this disaster happened. So that's been very important too, you know. Look, it's been wonderful having you on again, Big Daddy. Thank you once again for being on Hooked and we'll be back with Hooked in just a moment.
on Joy. Yes, you are on Hooked on Joy 94.9. You're a little bit excited about this sock, aren't you? I've never worked with a sock before. The first time for everything. You know, this lamb chop, a famous sock. Well, I know, but this sock is just black and it's gorgeous. I (laughs) love it. I love it. I want more of them. So we're listening to where you are on Hooked on Joy 94.9 and we're talking about COVID-19. We're talking about financial instability, isolation, boredom, fears of rejection. And David, we have another guest on the show. We certainly do. We have Aid on the line. Are you there, Aid? Hang on, I'm just going to turn you up there. There we go. Are you there? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Hi, are you guys. At home? How are you going? Are you at home with Ruby? Yes. Ruby and I are snuggled up in bed as we speak. Well, She's the most gorgeous dog in the world, everybody. And has she made a big difference, because you're in recovery, uh, to your life during isolation? Yes. Well, she does anyway, but I've got to say, during um, ISO, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been fabulous. And she is very happy too because she has me um, at home, well, almost 24-7. I don't know what we're going to do actually when, <laughs> when this is over. I think she'll be That's going to work concern. with you. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, been great. I'm very fortunate to have my beautiful Cavalier Ruby with me. So uh, tell us a bit about what you've had to do. You've had, you're a very busy woman. You're a, a career-minded gal. Your, your work is extremely full-on at the moment and you have to work from home. And then on top of that, you've had to look after your poor old mum. So ISO has not been easy for you in, in any way, has it? No, not at all. Um, I've actually found it uh, quite challenging uh, because I am so busy with the job I have um, uh, we are even busier than, than normal because of the situation uh, with schools and uh, learning from uh, remote learning from home. Um, I work for the Department of Education. That's probably all I'll say about that. Um, yeah, so I have been extremely busy. Uh, on top of that, I have um, an 80-year-old mother who has early onset dementia and although we've gotten some care... Um, it's still pretty full on because I still need to take her to appointments. I try and remind her about her meds. Um, yeah, look, I found it very challenging. Um, busiest that I've ever been. Uh, while I know a lot of people are, aren't, aren't as fortunate as, as I, um, being uh, employed. So I'm not complaining by any means. I'm just very busy. I'm not bored. Um, I'm not bored at all. The thing that I'm missing the most is the contact, the physical contact with my buddies. That's that's what I, that's what I find uh, struggle. Particularly as yeah, well, and also um, in recovery, uh, connection is a really big, uh, important sort of ground for. um, Well, certainly for me, but generally in, in recovery, we all like to connect. You don't know how much you miss your peers, do you? No, no, that, that's exactly right. It's been, uh, it's been tough, but where, again, I look at it, um, you know, it's 2000 and, and, you know, 2020, we can um, do FaceTime, we can Skype, uh, you know, the video chat, um, we can still see each other and talk to each other regularly, we just can't touch each other. Mm. Uh, so we're pretty fortunate. I mean, imagine being uh, twenty years in, ago. Uh, uh, exactly. What would we do? 
Now, you're uh, in recovery aid, so yes. one of the things yes. that you did was you, um, you're the secretary of a, of a 12-step meeting and you created a, a, a Zoom room so people could come and see you. Were you. Did you find it extraordinary the amount of people that visited from rural Victoria interstate overseas? Oh, look, I'm blown away by... Um, it's amazing the amount of people that uh, we can connect through uh, Zoom videoing. I was fortunate to have another couple of friends who actually uh, helped uh, initially to set it up. Um, and then once I learned the ropes, which are, it's actually not that difficult, um, yeah, we get uh, we get about, on average, about 20 um, in a meeting that's only been running for a couple of months um, where we were getting about six or eight. Hey, we've we've run out of time. And I wish we could talk to you longer. But how do you think oh, your recovery is okay. going um, um, with COVID nineteen? Are you happy? Yes, I'm very happy. I think my recovery is going really well. I plan my day. Um, I work in one room of the house, and then I do my entertainment meetings, phone calls in another area, so that I feel like I've I've left a You've different gone space. To work, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've gone to work, and I'm also in contact with my team every day via. Skype for Business, which is a video. So that also helps me keep in contact. And, of course, I have a sponsor and I have uh, so many friends that I contact on a daily basis. Uh, and I'm not short of a meeting. Uh, I could get onto a meeting right now. Um, 24-7. I think in California, 24-7. We're very fortunate. Look, that's great advice, Aidan. It's been such a pleasure having you once again here on Joy 94.9. Oh, it's always a pleasure talking to you too. And it's good to hear from you. Thank you very much. We hope that you've enjoyed tonight's show and remind you that if you're experiencing immediate problems or if content of this program raises issues that cause distress, you can call a lifeline on 131114, Beyond Blue on 1300 26 or go to joy.org.au hooked. Now, support, sorry. Support. And you can get hooked support. as well. Okay. Um, it is important to move away from self-destructive reasoning. Recovery involves breaking the cycle of addiction, removing the trigger of negative thinking and restoring us to emotional sobriety. One of the greatest highs in life is, of course, feeling good about ourselves. One thing you've always got to remember is that none of us are alone in this world and that is why the first step and most important step in recovery is just to simply ask for help. Help! Help! We want our community to be one of hope and look forward to your company next week as we continue to explore addiction on Hooked. Meanwhile, it's goodbye from Russ. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, David. Goodbye. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.